Okay, hello everybody and welcome to Investing with IBD sponsored by Vantage Point. Today is March 17th, 2021. I'm your host, Arusha Paris, and we have Eve Bobek returning back to the show. Eve is a portfolio manager and market strategist at Ropel Capital Management. She's also the co-founder of the life, uh, co-author of the Lifecycle Trade. Thanks for being here, Eve. So great to be here with you again, Arusha. I was just thinking back, last time we got together, it was the right after the market turned. It was uh, April of yeah. 2020, and uh, we weren't quite sure if the market was going to start a new bull cycle. It was, uh, it was really an interesting time. And again, it's an interesting time that we've chosen to talk. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're absolutely right. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about this interesting market that we're in. We're going to talk about what you need to do to become a better trader, and then we will end with a few current ideas. Let's get into the current market. The market is in a confirmed uptrend, but uh, we have five distribution days on both the NASDAQ and S&P 500 because we did not uh, get a fall-through day yet. Eve, what are your thoughts on this market? Well, it's very interesting. If you look at just growth stocks, you'd think that we just went through a bear market. Yes, I mean, the NASDAQ only created, it went down maybe like 13% in a few weeks. But if you were a growth investor and if you had a portfolio full of growth stocks, some of these stocks corrected maybe two or three times what the NASDAQ did. So right. uh, fitting the definition of a bear market for growth stocks. Uh, what's interesting is on March 5th, there was a pretty significant reversal. Um, that was that Friday. And so far, the NASDAQ did get support at the 100-day moving average. Uh, it's regained the 50-day moving average. So um, I think the jury's still out if this correction in growth names is over. But what's interesting is the divergence, where you see the Russell and other indexes uh, near all-time highs. And the, the NASDAQ um, has been hit much harder than some of these other indexes and, and certainly the growth stocks as well. So I would say that if, you know, for me, when I'm trying new positions after being a little bit lower on exposure through this correction, I look for my positions to give me feedback on, on the market. And, you know, so far, any new positions, it, it feels like it's two steps forward and maybe one step back. So it's certainly not the same character of market that we saw in the second half of last year, where growth stocks were doing, you know, fabulously well. There were so many to select from. And this, this market has a little bit of a different uh, character feel to it. Yeah, so for, for growth stocks, for sure. It seems, and you said it, it's two steps forward, one step back, or sometimes one step forward, two steps back. There you go, gonna, right. I've had that really too. Really shake out, yeah. Uh, it, so, There's some rotation too, right, into the reopening plays. So um, we've had markets in the past, in past years, where you've only had like maybe a handful of big growth leaders. So I don't know if what we'll see is a little bit different in the continuing year, from what we saw in 2020, or if we resume uh, after this correction, I think the jury is still out. It's gonna be interesting to see how 2021 progresses. Yeah, and, and with the, the jury still out yesterday, we, we started out strong 
And then by the end of the day, we reversed. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe this market is going to get a little bit more uh, of a, a pullback than, than you know, we anticipated. Then, of course, today, did the exact opposite. It gapped down. Now, all the way right back up. Now, Eve, you mentioned an interesting thing here about there are, going, there are some markets where there are only a few growth stocks that are the true leaders in that market. And, and you better have a couple of those. Uh, now, are you always focusing on growth stocks or are you going to at times like in this kind of market where a lot of these reopened trades have been working uh, pretty well? Are you, are, you, are you switching over to them? Well, I, I want to be flexible. I want to be able to adapt to what the, the market conditions. Uh, but honestly, where I've made the most profits is from growth names. So I certainly have a bias to those. Um, I may be open to, you know, a select very strong reopening play, but I'd lean towards the growthier uh, reopening plays. And, and I think we'll talk about that when we talk about the, the segment where uh, the theme that I'm focusing on for, for this year. The, the other thing I wanted to mention as well is just the big picture perspective. And I always want to take a step back because you could easily get in, you know, look at the daily action in the market and get thrown off. And, mm -hmm. and there's been this roller coaster reversals lately, which is, which is normal when you're going through this correction, trying to see if we're going to come out of it. But if you look at the big picture, the, the average cyclical bull market lasts for around two and a half years. So if you think about the, the last true bear was really last year, right? Uh, March uh, turned in April. Right. So we're, we're probably about 11 months in um, to the bull market. And then if you look at it from a larger, bigger picture perspective, the super cycle, and you think about the average super cycle last 17 years, uh, and it, depending on where you start counting, let's say you start counting from March of 2009, well, we're about 12 years uh, into the super cycle. So it's interesting to kind of step back, I think, sometimes from the daily action, even from the weekly action to try to look at the big picture. I mean, that doesn't mean we're not going to have corrections like we just had along the way. Um, but I think that helps to put it in perspective. The other now, thing that's interesting okay. that I wanted to mention Oh, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Go ahead, Arusha. No, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention is I always try to look for precedents, not that they're going to um, affect my decision making in the market, but it's just kind of interesting to see. So if you mapped out, remember last year, the, the COVID pandemic bear was just a V-shaped recovery. I mean, I think right. it shocked everyone. It certainly shocked me. Yeah. But if you think back, remember uh, 1998, mm -hmm. and we had that similar severe correction, V-shaped recovery. So it kind of reminds me of that a little bit. I mean, who knows? But if you map the, uh, the lows of uh, 1998 bear market with the, the recent bear market in 2020, it would put us somewhere around October of 99. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> And that if you look back at that market, it's corrected quite a few times. Um, it corrected to the hundred day, and you know, and then recovered. And then you have that final last run up into two thousand, right? Right. So if we were in, let's say, October nineteen ninety nine, I'd be all for that because you'd look at the chart and it's that final run, just like you said, yeah, through the through the March two thousand. So. I mean, it's just something interesting. I'm not going to make decisions based on that, but um, it's interesting to take a look at. And it did have that 
that V-shaped recovery. Yeah, that's interesting you bring up that 1998 market because I just remember looking at that market and once it got going, and it was very, very tricky, but once it got going, it was like every day was up and it just kept going and going and, and those were waiting for the pullback, waited months and they were left out. Right. And right. It was hard only, to get in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's that's almost what happened last year, where it's like you better get in a little bit because you're, you're not going to get in uh, and you're going to not have that pullback because everyone was just kept slowly moving in and in and just kept pushing the market up. Now, going back to another comment that you, you mentioned about the perspective, how close every day, how close are you watching the market? Are you are you are you glued to your screen? those six and a half hours or are you taking a break you know watching closely in the morning and then at, and how the the markets close at the end of the day right excellent question arusha on some days uh i i am monitoring much more closely i mean i'm always monitoring closely but i don't want to be there watching every tick because that can really throw you off like even in a market like today if you, if you looked at the crazy reversals you could easily you know a portfolio could have been way down this morning and then you know up by the by the close. So um, I'm always watching very closely in the morning, the open, like for the first hour, and then I'm always watching very closely um, an hour before the close. Um, the close is what's what's very very important. And I do take breaks. It's very important. You know, I'll get on the treadmill. Um, you know, during like a quieter time, maybe around noonish, yeah. uh, and uh, try to get away for walks whenever it's nice out. It just helps clear the mind. It's just so important not to be tied to the screens all day long. And then I set alerts. So even if I am away, uh, I know exactly, you know, where all the positions are. No, I, I mean, that that's uh, really good advice there. Um, now, let's go over uh, your thoughts on 2020. So you, you mentioned earlier, it was, it was around a year ago. I think maybe yeah. was it in April, I think. Uh, yes. When you came last time on, and it, it is funny, we, we were definitely nervous at, at that point and unsure. And honestly, I, I almost feel like unless it's a clear kind of picture perfect correction with a picture perfect follow through, I'm always going to be nervous. Uh, yeah. What were Same your here. overall thoughts on 2020? Well, 2020 was the most unusual year for growth investing so many opportunities and such strong price moves in growth names. I haven't seen anything like that. I've been investing and trading since 1995. And I haven't seen anything like it since the late 90s. It was definitely, if you could say anything about the year, I would call it the year of the IPO. And I would say, and SPACs in brackets. And if you look at it, there was a record number of IPOs. uh, And then there was, there were so many companies going public via these special purpose acquisition companies. And just a few years ago, we haven't even thought about that. I mean, I looked back just to check. I mean, in like 2016, I think there were maybe a dozen or a little bit around a dozen or so SPACs. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at it last year, uh, there were almost like 250. I think it was like 248 or something. Um, and IPOs, I think it was close to 400 So and a record. So definitely the year of the IPO. And any, if anything, in terms of a mantra for 2020, 
and uh, this is one that I know a lot of people have heard, it's don't fight the Fed. Yes. I mean, yeah. the, the monetary policy as well as fiscal policy was supportive of higher equity prices. And so those are the thoughts that pop into my mind right away. But from a, a trading perspective, when you think about um, these records in terms of the number of IPOs, record number of SPACs, I think SPACs raised something like 83 billion uh, last year. Um, and there's, I don't know, there's 400 or plus some SPACs that are um, currently out there in different phases. And many of those are still looking for an acquisition target. It, is a secondary indicator, but it does signal a bit of frothiness, right? When, when you have those kind of records, and it's continuing, it's continuing this year. So if you looked at if you look at some of the the numbers right now, there's still a lot of IPOs coming out and a lot mm -hmm. of SPACs. So yeah. it's interesting from that perspective, for sure. And and that always gets me nervous, but. I, I think you said a key thing there. It's a secondary indicator because anytime yeah. I see, like, I think it was like, what, four years ago or so, there were a lot of IPOs that were starting to come out and they were starting to do really well. And they're just kind of becoming rocket ships. And that was also a pretty good secondary indicator. But sometimes they last a lot longer. That that one only lasted maybe a month. And then, then the market really came in hard. This time, right. it just kept going and going. Um, so let's end this segment on one of the stocks that you were in last year and, and that you did well in, uh, Tesla. Talk, talk a little bit about that um, and, and how you ended up listening to the market and, and were rewarded for it by it. Okay, well, thanks for asking, Arusha. I know we were talking a little bit about this. It's, it's interesting to me because it underscores a lesson in my mind. So, you know, flashback to like March, April of last year and all the, the types of news that we all heard and how the market was behaving and what the stock charts looked at, you know, through that severe correction. And then I'm always looking, you know, towards the bottom of a bear market. And as a new rally starts, I'm always looking at, you know, which stocks are, are leading. And so, you know, I had this opinion, you know, obviously the economy was shutting down. Mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, you know, obviously people are going to be losing jobs. People might be holding on to their money because it, the world is very uncertain at the time. And so I had this opinion that um, a car company couldn't really do that well in that environment. But as I was going through the charts, I started to, you know, watch all, all the charts that were performing well and Tesla's chart, Tesla started acting very strong. And for those of you who are listening to the podcast, when you get home, you can always go to investors.com slash podcast and take a look at the, the video version and see the chart of Tesla. So if you look, Tesla made a low, I believe it was like March, March 18th. And the NASDAQ actually made a low there, but it didn't, it made a lower low on March 23rd. Okay. And so before it bottomed. So right there, it's like a small detail, Yeah. but Tesla was acting strong. It was stronger mm -hmm. than the index. So it did sh show some strength right away. Then it just took off. I mean, amazing. Yep. It turned and from March to April, the stock ran up almost, I think it was like, it was from top to bottom, it was probably close to 150%. It was definitely over 100%. So, and that was just the start of the move. 
And then if you look at the chart, it just went very tight. So that just meant to me that no one was in there selling at this price, even though the stock had already advanced off this low so much, it was barely budging at those levels. And so I pivoted. I mean, I went with the price action. And so I finally decided that my opinion was wrong in May of 2020. And, and I bought Tesla and I still hold uh, those core shares in the stock. And the reason I'm telling this story is because I could have missed the trade of a lifetime by being stubborn, by holding on to my opinion. And the chart was just telling a different story. And it was, it was telling me that even during this pandemic, this company was, gonna, was going to do well. And so I followed price. And, and I just think that's it's very important not to be stubborn with opinions. Uh, sure, everyone's going to have an opinion of the market, of different companies, of different charts. Um, but it needs, to be, it needs to be consistent with what you see in the price action. And so I learned a big lesson. It's going to stay with me, uh, even though that was a positive lesson. I mean, it turned out to be one of the, my best trades ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it still underscores that because I could have, I was so close. I mean, I even, you know, I talked to other portfolio managers on a weekly basis. And for a few weeks, I was just, have you guys noticed Tesla? I just don't understand it. How could they do well? How could the stock do well? And uh, so I had to go, I had to go with the, with the price, follow the price and, uh, and, and change my opinion. Cause obviously my opinion was wrong. Yeah. And, and in the end, the market is always going to be right. And that's the best lesson that you can learn. One that you make money and usually it, you end up losing money or missing out on a huge opportunity. And then you have to learn the lesson and hopefully apply it a few years later. So the market is back in an uptrend. Uh, so make sure you are managing your risk and let the market slowly pull you back in. Okay. It's still volatile, play small. And as you make progress, then you can start to increase those positions. So let's take a quick break. But when we return, we're going to talk about what you need to do to become a better investor. We'll be back. Want to dominate the stock market this year with the second stimulus rolling out, you may be guessing which trades are the best to invest in. But with Vantage Point, you don't have to. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how Vantage Point's AI technology can forecast stock market trends up to three days in advance with incredible accuracy. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. Stop guessing. Check out www.freestockcoaching.com and experience Vantage Point for free. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Eve Bobek is our guest on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Eve, before we talk about what you need to do to become a better investor, let's first talk about the pent-up demand stocks. Oh, yes. So last time when we talked in, in 2020, in April, the theme that I picked for the year was COVID related. And so the stocks we talked about were, were Zoom, Peloton, and Chewy. And it's just an amazing, it's amazing to look back at how far those leaders went in 2020. Yeah, exactly. It always shocks me. Um, I think Peloton from the, when we talked in April, up until it's 
Peak was up like 400%. Zoom 300 and Chewy, I think was 200%. So just amazing. Yeah. But for 2021, I'm looking at a different theme. So I'm looking at what I like to call the pent up demand theme and just thinking about it where people have, you know, many people for over a year have probably foregone some of their vacations, some entertainment going out. And, um, and, and I'm sure they're ready to resume that pretty soon. And, and so that's the theme that I'm looking at. And when we talk about stocks uh, later today, I, I will go over um, three stocks that I'm looking at, uh, plus one bonus one, real quick. Perfect. No, I I like I like that little uh, promo there, Eve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so before we get into that, you, know, you definitely want to go through the whole podcast to to get those stocks. But um, <laughs> let's let's get into uh, certain things that you need to become to be a better investor. You mentioned before that you have been doing this for a number of years now. Uh, and uh, so what are what are some of the things that that you're doing to help yourself become a better investor? Well, I thought about this in preparation for the podcast, and I'd really say there's three practices that I find very, very valuable uh, in terms of evolving and growing as a trader. And the first is having a small core networking group of of other traders, of other successful traders and communicating with them on a regular basis. And, and I'll tell you a little bit about the networking group that I belong to and, and kind of what we do uh, to, to make all of us better traders. And the other area or the other practice is completing a, a regular trading plan. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, what we call, our plan we call the ride the wave plan. And if you've watched any of Jim Ropel's podcast to the audience, um, You'll know he, he's talked a little bit about that as well. So yeah. I'm going to talk a little bit about how that, that's very helpful in evolving as a trader. And then um, just very briefly on mentoring and both the benefits of having a mentor and then also mentoring others, mentoring other younger traders. So let me just talk a little bit about the networking group and what we've done over the last like maybe six months that's been very helpful. So I meet uh, regularly with a small group of uh, portfolio managers and proprietary traders and uh, they're across the country. So we meet via Zoom and, you know, we always develop the agenda. And one of the things that it's all with the idea of we all want to grow, learn from each other and become better traders. And so what we did recently, and this has been very helpful, is we looked back and we said, well, what were the two, you know, like two big winners last year? I mean, there were so many, but we chose zoom and peloton and then we actually looked and we mapped out and shared with each other how we each traded traded those stocks you know where we bought them where we sold them what were we thinking and so we learned a lot from each other it's really a helpful process and the other thing that we do is we know each other's straight trading styles so well and we share so much information that um, each of us shared what we thought about the, the traders in the networking group in terms of like top strength and top area for improvement. And one of the things there is focusing on strengths, but also there may be like one area that's holding a trader back. And it's important to know that and maybe uh, work on that area and shore up 
anything that's causing a big problem for a trader. And so we shared that with each other. Uh, it's very eye-opening and it's, it's very, very helpful. Yeah, and and yeah, uh, you mentioned Jim Roble, and and one thing that 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 I learned from Jim was, uh, if if the criticism stings, it's probably true, and and so I'm sure that there might be a little bit of stinging sometimes when you get definitely, some back. yeah, and so what one of my I'll just share one of my strengths and one area that I need to work on. So a strength is I'm I can identify big leading stocks early on. So it, it's something about the market research, the screening, and uh, I'll, I'll identify them early. And the area that I need to focus on is kind of tied to that where um, sometimes I'll identify those big leaders, but maybe I don't capitalize on it entirely. So the holding enough of a position through through a big run, capturing a big part of the run through the drawdowns, uh, how to approach that. So I'll just share one thing that a rule that I uh, made for myself in 2021, have a minimum cutoff in terms of how I will uh, reduce the core position when I'm trading what I believe is a high conviction, you know, early uh, life cycle, potential big winner. And, and I've set that at a 5% minimum uh, for myself. So the jury's still out. We'll see how that works uh, well, this year for me. But just, that's a little bit about what can come from these uh, networking groups. Yeah, it, I think that's a, that that's a really valuable lesson. That that and that's a really good suggestion too. Uh, and and I'll share for for one, one of the stocks that that I was in was Tesla. I mean, we, we talked about that a little bit in the the earlier segment. But for some for some of my accounts where. I didn't come when, when the Tesla came in and it was during one of the, the last runs. Uh, some accounts I completely got out of it when it really sold out. I was like, okay, let me just lock in the games. Some other accounts, I kept it, I reduced it down to 5% position. When Tesla got yeah. going again and broke out of that final consolidation in 2020, the accounts that I had that 5% position, I was able to quickly increase it back up to a 15 to 20% position. Great. And the accounts that were zero, I never got back in. And yeah. mm -hmm. it's amazing that if you just have a little bit in there, how at least for me, how much easier it is to just quickly increase it versus that price anchoring bias that you kind of fight yourself saying, oh, I sold it, sold it down here. How can I buy it up here or whatever? There's something. That's a great example. Yeah. Because a lot of it is psychology, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then you're exactly. watching it closely. You have that position, the lower cost position. Yep. That That's. That's great. Oh, so let's talk the about other... the, the ride of the wave. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's the other thing that I was going to mention is the, the weekly trading plan. So exactly, yeah. it's called the ride the wave plan. We even have like someone surfing <laughs> to remind us <laughs> of that so. on our plan. It makes it fun to complete it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, we, so uh, I do this every week and it's so helpful. I'll just tell you a little bit about the process um, and what's included on the template. So we're looking at our market view. So I'll be sitting down and saying, what's my market view on a scale of one to 10, uh, both short-term and intermediate, and of course, long-term and why. And then uh, as part of the chart review, I'm identifying what are the top, like let's say three charts that I've identified. 
And um, out of that, also, what's my top stock idea for the week? And those are just some of the categories, but one of the most important ones, I think, is also like recent over or under performance. So I'm analyzing like the past week, did I over or underperform my benchmarks? And is it something that I'm doing? What's, what's hmm. causing that, that over or underperformance? And, and looking at both of those, both, both the negative and the positive, it's just important to be able to adjust um, to the market. So that's on a, on a weekly basis. And also, really the listing, my holdings, where am I going to stop out? So it's like a plan for each of the holdings. Am I going to add? Uh, what am I going to do with that holding and, and why? And then also important for, I think, this market in 2021, these are two questions that I took from um, Dr. Brett Steenbarger's um, writings, both his book and his articles. And he is, a, he is the best trading psychologist and uh, these questions we include in our template. And there are two questions, what's working in the markets and what will you do to, to get in sync with what the market is rewarding? And I think the reason they're so important, especially now is, you know, how would you answer that question given the current market, what's working in the markets? It may not be exactly what was working before, right? right. Right. Well, I mean, the reopen trades working, Dow, Dow uh, stocks are working, a lot of the New York stock exchange stocks are working and um, all the stocks that I bought earlier this year are not working. Um, exactly. For me too, for right? To think, yeah. And so it, this helps, I think, in terms of the planning. So given, you know, given what's working in the market, given what I'm doing as a trader, uh, what's my strategy for the following week? And um, I still want to remain flexible and adapt to the market, but I have this plan. I have a plan going into the week, and um, and then I can adapt from there. But it it really is a great great practice, I think, to do on a regular basis. And we, as a group, also meet with um, some other portfolio managers on a Monday, and then talk through our plan. So we share again. So this is an addition to the networking group. And this really helps um, to, to hold us accountable. Um, so we're talking to each other and you know, what went right, what went wrong, and we're also sharing ideas. So, so very helpful. I would, I would highly recommend that. No, that, that's, that's really good, especially the accountability part. Talk about the, the mentoring aspect. So I have been very, very lucky in, uh, in my trading career. I've had just wonderful mentors um, over the years. And I think it's so important. So if, if a trader is, is new to this learning, um, even if they've been trading for a while, I think it's very important to seek out mentors. But also I wanted to mention, I think I mentioned that last time as well, I touched on it because it's just so important, but also to be a mentor yourself. And I am currently the mentor for two younger traders and it really tends to, to keep you sharp, right? You have yeah. to answer their very interesting and very good questions. Um, you know, review the rules and, and think about the discipline of trading. When you're teaching something, you have to know it very, very well. Absolutely. And so I've just found it to be very rewarding both ways. And if another benefit, if the traders are younger, you get that Peter Lynch principle, right? You get the maybe the Gen Z perspective on companies that you may not have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. You, everyone out there is going to have 
a, a little bit more expertise than someone else in a particular field, right? And so if you are interacting, especially with younger people or, or people who are just in completely different areas, you may stumble on a, a great stock and actually get a little bit better of the story or understanding from that person. Exactly. So I, I highly recommend it, um, both you know, seeking out mentors and uh, and then also mentoring others when when uh, a trader's ready for that. And I think it's it's a great experience, and um, the learning is is you know is both ways. Now, Eve, to end this segment, talk about the asymmetrical trade opportunity because I think this is a good reminder too. Not every trade is necessarily the same. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point, Arusha. So what I'm looking for is in, in terms of the risk management side, I'm going to have a set stop that I have. So my my downside is limited, right? Mm -hmm. Well, what I'm looking for is those rare opportunities. And, and Tesla is, a, is the great example here, because when when I did enter that trade, in, in May um, of 2020, I could set a stop and say, well, if I'm wrong, I'm stopped out. Um, but on the opportunity front, we had just gone through um, a bear market. This was one of the strong names that was acting really well. And uh, it had real upside opportunity because it had corrected significantly and now was acting very well from a technical perspective. And you know, eventually uh, we would come out of this pandemic. So the market is always looking ahead, um, and obviously, this this uh, for this company, um, investors were looking ahead as well. And so the downside is much less than the potential upside. And mm -hmm. when I see those kind of opportunities, I'm going to press up on the position size. Um, so this is going to be a, a larger holding. And uh, it, it grew over time. I'm going to take a larger uh, position size into an earnings report if it's, if it's an early um, life cycle move, especially when it's after a bear market. No, that, that, that's, that, that's the key right there. It is knowing where you are in the cycle, what type of stock you are, and when to push it. So Knowing your strengths and weaknesses as an investor will help you know when to be aggressive in the markets and when to stay out. Coming up next, we are gonna talk about a few ideas. Stay tuned. Tired of reading about other people getting rich in the stock market? Today is your day. Vantage Point's artificial intelligence has predicted countless market reversals, helping traders weather any storm up to 72 hours in advance. Visit www.freestockcoaching.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to www.freestockcoaching.com to join a free live training session today. Don't delay. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. We are back with Eve Bobek on Investing with IBD, sponsored by Vantage Point. Okay, Eve, uh, let's get into a few ideas. Uh, be but before we get into a few ideas, go ahead. Oh, yes. Just wanted to mention that the stocks that we're going to talk about today, I have positions in. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, this isn't any recommendation to buy or sell any stock. And if they didn't act well, I may have to um, 
cut the position. So just wanted to mention that everyone needs to do their own due diligence. Absolutely. So let's get into the first stock here. And this is uh, Airbnb. And, and let me pull it up. So I wanted to bring this one up because it is on theme. So the so my theme for 2021 is the pent up demand theme. And I'm thinking this company also is on the disruptive side. It's disrupting the hospitality industry somewhat. And if you think about it, many people have delayed vacations, right? Mm -hmm. So um, with COVID still not completely gone, people may feel a little bit better booking a home maybe for their next vacation um, versus staying at a hotel with a lot of people. So I, I think the story is there. The other thing that attracted me to this name um, that I do have a position in is that uh, it came out of this small um, IPO consolidation. So it's a new name. And if you look at it on a weekly chart, um, it's it was under accumulation. So I think it has like six weeks up in a row. And this is not an illiquid name. This is a very liquid name. So someone's in there, someone large is in there buying and taking a position in this name. Uh, it did get support at the moving averages. In terms of uh, the life cycle trade, we talked about life cycle phases. And I would say that this stock is uh, in the IPO advanced phase and we'll see what it can do. It, it's, it's forming another bit of a short consolidation here. Um, and we'll have to see how it, it does from here. But I do think it fits into our theme and uh, it's acting pretty strong given the market. And I, I know you agree with this too, Eva. I mean, this is just one of those big brand names. Everyone knows this, right? Right. And and right. and they're almost and, and they're fitting in with that theme. So that that's why it was um, attractive uh, to me. So uh, anything else you, you see here on the the stock or anything else? To oh well, just uh, in the next one we're going to talk about is Uber. But whenever you're using a uh, a verb as you know yes. the company's name as a verb that's that's a sign huge uh, and you know your airbnb your your ubering so uh just another plus yeah but, but that being said if it starts to sell off starts to trigger your stops you are out because in the end the market right. is right and you're gonna manage your risk uh Definitely. so you mentioned you mentioned uber let's go over to uber ticker symbol u-b-e-r and I have it here on the, the weekly chart. And, and what is uh, interesting about this stock to you? Okay, and I do have a position in this one. Uh, so in terms of our life cycle phases, it's I would say it's in the institutional advanced phase. And okay. uh, the reason for that, it's cleared the turbulence zone, which would probably that be that uh, hot left side high of uh, 47-ish. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's advancing. It's, it's a little haggard here. I mean, it's, it's holding the moving averages, um, but it has cleared the turbulence and uh, hopefully it would go into an institutional advanced phase. And it, it is on theme as well. When you think about it, you know, pe people need to get around if they're going to be doing more traveling, if they're going to be going to more events, seeing more people, um, their, uh, their business should pick up. And I should mention also, I'm going to talk a little bit about a screen that I run off the March 5th low. Um, Airbnb does show up on that screen. Uber does not. So Uber's been chugging. It's not one of the most powerful off the bottom. But if you look at it, it uh, didn't correct as significantly as some of the other uh, growth names. And it's not that far off its high as, as some other names. And uh, I want to mention too, I don't know if, I, I always do a little bit of market research. So um, if if you read the news that Uber bought Drizzly, I, oh yeah, so so yeah, what what is Drizzly? I, I didn't hear about so that. 
So Drizzly is, um, is an app where you can load onto your phone. And now only if you're 21 and okay. you really need a drink after uh -huh. a particularly challenging market day, you can uh, bring up this app and order liquor and uh, a few more, a few minutes in, they're going to deliver it to your doorstep. So oh my God. it's very dangerous and purely for, you know, of course I researched it purely for market research purposes, but I did try it. So it's very interesting. So, you know, Uber, we think of Uber, but they have Uber Eats. They have this new acquisition with Drizzly. Um, they have the Uber Reserve, which, you know, people want to reserve in advance. Um, so, so they're kind of branching out and, and we'll see, uh, we'll see how the company does. But one thing I also want to mention with the whole COVID scenario, the pandemic last year, a lot of these names won't show um, the kind of revenue growth that I'm usually looking for uh, in the numbers. And, mm -hmm. and that could be due to, you know, the closing of the economy. And so, so I'm making some adjustments there. I would prefer to see um, stronger revenue growth. Now, you mentioned the, the turbulent zone. Do you like to usually buy IPOs as they're emerging out of that uh, turbulent zone? Or, or are you sometimes buying them uh, when they're in that turbulent zone? Well, uh, that's an excellent question. If, it, if the stock goes through um, and stages like a super breakaway gap, I, yeah. I may buy a name even before it clears that level. Okay. Um, what I have found though, however, when it gets close to that level, you're usually in for turbulence and that's why we <laughs> called it that. So, so I try to avoid that turbulence though, not always very successfully, but because not all of them do it, but many do. And you could get caught in like a basing or, you know, get whipped out, shaken out uh, yeah. when it hits that area. So it's just an area to be aware of and see with the, the action of the stock. And if it powers through there uh, very strong, strongly, usually it's going to leave that area behind, but not always. Perfect. So now the, the third stock uh, that we're going to talk about is Bumble and ticker symbol BMBL. And here's a new IPO that came out on February 11th of this year. And uh, they're forming a, a little IPO base. So uh, why is this one on your radar? So I have a position in this early. Uh, it did try to move out on that uh, gap. Uh, it is still forming an IPO base. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we'll have to see how it does. I mean, it could either attempt to break out uh, and work here and start an IPO advanced phase, uh, or it could fail. So we'll have to watch it closely. I think this name is on theme uh, with people, you know, socializing more, wanting to go out more. Um, this company has a lot of competition, but they have a little bit of a twist on the dating app. Mm -hmm. And they're also not just about dating. Uh, they have two other angles. Uh, one is networking, social networking with their uh, Bumble Biz app. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and they also have a um, Bumble BFF. So if you're looking for friends, let's say you're in a new area, yeah. uh, you, can, you can look for friends there. And they own Badoo, which is a popular dating site in, uh, in Europe. So uh, they come, you know, they have quite a bit of competition in this space, uh, but certainly the, the technical action has been good so far. I feel like it's on theme. Uh, they have a different angle from their competitors. So um, I think it's, uh, it, it could do well, but we'll have to see. Some companies, uh, some stocks that IPO 
go through a failure rather than advance. So uh, we'll just have to watch the action closely and I'll be watching it closely. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, obviously when, when you spend all this time doing the research on the IPOs and coming up with these different phases, yeah, um, and I'm really classifying, I'm coming with your, your own names and, and you and Kathy and, and the rest of the group did, did that, but uh, that, how much did that help you once you classified all these different little stages and, you know, where it is in that life cycle? How, how have you seen, you know, how much has that helped you once you start to apply it to real trading? That's such a great question, Arusha, because all of us have talked about this uh, as, as a team mm -hmm. and it's helped all of our trading performance. And me, for, from myself personally, it's just been so valuable. Um, I, when I analyze my trades, I do very well in like, like the early life cycle trades, both the IPO advanced phase um, and then catching the institutional advanced phase early. Um, you know, I watch for these things that we learned as part of the research, the, the turbulence zone. Um, I know from our research that that initial IPO advanced phase, uh, you need to use uh, our research showed that we need to use faster rules, faster sell rules, you know, take profit rules on that yeah. phase, because many times that whole advance will be. Um, will be undercut be and then there'll be this due diligence phase where the stock goes sideways to down for, for quite some time before it actually starts a mature run and comes out from a mature base. And we call that the institutional advance phase. And that's where you can use, uh, where we found in our research that we can use longer term uh, hold rules and, and try to hold on for bigger moves and new leaders. No, yeah, it, it's, uh, and, and the reason why I ask that is, when I was studying earnings gaps and stuff like that, and started just classifying them in different kinds of places where they could be in their run, I found it helped me a lot to kind of strategize and, and how to approach those uh, kind of setups or even just how it, they should act afterwards. So it's really cool to hear. And, and so anyone listening out there, I think that, that that's a good thing to do. If you see something over and over again, you might want to study that a little bit more and maybe you can come up with your own classifications just to help yourself, right? And, and you'll probably end up you know, helping yourself just in your own trading performance. Um, so let's- I'm so glad it was helpful, Arusha. Yeah, no, it, it, it's really cool. And especially even your classifications in, 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 in uh, your book, The Life Cycle Trade, I'm just looking at those more and more. And so it is helping me to uh, just going along with uh, your classification. So it's, it's really cool breaking these, all these little things down more and more. I mean, that's essentially what Bill O'Neill did years ago, right? Where right. He, he, yeah, he didn't invent the couple with, couple with handle, but he really classified it and defined yes. it. And this is the couple with handle we're looking for, or this is the flat base and all those kind of definitions and repetition and just looking at them over and over again resulted in being in the, the right stocks at the right time. Yes, definitely. You know, one thing I forgot to mention uh, about Bumble, Bumble also shows up on that power screen. I call it the power screen. That's the screen that I run off of um, March 5th, the Friday okay. lows. And yeah. I do that after a correction. And what I'm looking for there is just very quickly is a uh, price move. So what's what are the strongest stocks in terms of price move from the lows on that day? And I'm also looking for more liquid names, 
Uh, and, um, you know, if it has strong revenue growth, all the better, of course, in this environment, I'm adapting a bit on that because of um, the bear market and the pandemic last year. And usually, you know, just anecdotally, I've been doing this for many years, and it seems like it catches usually a couple of the, the big leaders for, for the new uh, rally. So uh, both Airbnb and Bumble showed up when I ran that screen early on from that low day. And the other bonus stock that shows up, uh, which is already a mature stock, um, but had unbelievable performance last year. And I was kind of surprised to see it is Tesla does show up. So if you wow. just go based on a strong move from the bottom, I mean, it, it had, you know, it went from what, 70 to 900. And then it's, of course, corrected significantly recently, right. but in the context of that move, and then the fact that it's uh, showing up on the screen, that's interesting. So so I would include that in in a stock that could continue on. And, and I have positions in, in all of these names. Yeah, but I, I wanted to share a little bit. People asked about the screen. I had talked to a few people and, and they were interested. And it's something that I've done for a long, long time. And it, it does seem, you know, you're going to have stocks that that don't do well, but it seems to to pick up some of the a couple at least of the of the new leaders of the new rally. Yeah, and and you also do want to run some screens uh that are that are looking at the market in different ways. So that I, I really like that screen that you're looking at where you could be making a potential low here. A lot of times what I'm doing is I'm running a relative strength line new high and saying, okay, which ones are coming up right. that way. But um, yeah, you wanna see that kind of performance and any way you can find some of these stocks, uh, you just have to find it, right? You don't even have to right. find it. There's someone else telling you, uh, and but you can capitalize on it. That's, that's all that's uh, needed. Yes, very true. So there are a few ideas that are worth considering. Thanks, Eve, for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Arusha. Thanks so much for having me. And I just want to wish everyone a, a great 2021 and a very prosperous year. Cheers, now, everyone. Cheers. And, and so next week, uh, we will have Matt Caruso on the show. Matt is the president of Caruso Investments. So that's it for this week on Investing with IBD. I'm Arusha Paris. And thanks for listening. And for this week's Nilton Charts, make sure to go to Investors.com slash podcast, where you'll find details for each episode in the podcast episode section. And make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at Investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. Arusha here. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities. For full disclosure, I am a portfolio manager at O'Neill Global Advisors, which is a sister company of IBD, and I might be buying or selling any stocks that are mentioned in this podcast. Make sure to consult with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.